Welcome to Line C, Use Mathematics and Science by Camosun College, used under CC BY. The Trades Access Common Core resources are licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0. The materials in these learning guides are for use by students and instructional staff and have been compiled from sources believed to be reliable and to represent best current knowledge on these subjects. These audio resources are intended to serve as a starting point for good practices and may not specify all minimum legal standards. No warranty, guarantee, or representation is made by the BC Piping Trades Articulation Committee, the Skilled Trades BC Training Authority, BC Campus, or King's Printer of British Columbia as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information contained in these publications. These audio resources are intended to provide basic guidelines for piping trades practices. Do not assume, therefore, that all necessary warnings and safety precautionary measures are contained in this publication and that other or additional measures may not be required. To learn more about BC Campus Open Education, visit www.openbccampus.ca. Use Mathematics and Science, Section 16. Describe factors that affect gas volumes and pressures. Gases behave differently than other two states of matter, solids and liquids, so there are different methods for calculating and understanding how gases behave under certain conditions. Gases have neither fixed volume nor fixed shape. They are molded entirely by the container in which they are held. There are three variables by which we measure gases. Pressure, volume, and temperature. Pressure is measured as force per area. The standard metric unit for pressure is the kilopascal. In the imperial system, the units of pound per square inch are commonly used. The equation below shows the conversion between these units. 1 psi equals 6.8947 kPa. When converting these pressures in many of the codebooks and on the job site, we use a soft conversion to make the task easier. 1 psi equals 7 kPa. The Gas Laws of Boyle and Charles The early gas laws were developed at the end of the 18th century when scientists began to realize a common relationship between the pressure, volume, and temperature characteristics of all gases. Gases behave in a similar way over a wide variety of conditions because they all have widely spaced molecules. These gas laws provide predictable results for most gases under moderate pressures and temperature. It should be noted that when working with these gas laws, all temperatures and pressures must be expressed in absolute terms, such as PSIA or KPA absolute for all pressure references and Rankine and Kelvin for all temperature references. Absolute pressure conversion. PSIG plus 14.7 equals PSIA. KPA plus 101.325 equals KPA absolute. Absolute temperature conversion. Degrees Fahrenheit plus 460 equals degrees Rankine. Degrees Celsius plus 273 equals Kelvin. Boyle's Law. Boyle's Law, named after Irish physicist Robert Boyle, describes the relationship between the pressure and volume of a gas. According to this law, the absolute pressure exerted by a gas held at a constant temperature varies inversely with the volume of the gas. For example, if the volume of gas is halved, 
the absolute pressure would be doubled. And if the volume of gas is doubled, then the absolute pressure is halved. The reason for this effect is that a gas is constructed of loosely spaced molecules moving at random. If a gas is compressed in a container, these molecules are pushed together, thus the gas occupies less volume. The molecules having less space in which to move hit the walls of the container more frequently and thus exert an increased pressure. In figure 1, a captive volume of gas is at an initial pressure of 40 PSIA while occupying a volume of 2 feet cubed. If the volume is reduced to 1 cubic foot, there would be a corresponding increase in the absolute pressure to 80 PSIA. Boyle's Law Calculations Boyle's Law may be stated as follows. The volume of any dry gas varies inversely with the absolute pressure when the temperature remains constant. This is expressed in the following formula. V1 times P1 equals V2 times P2, where V1 equals the original volume, V2 equals the new volume, P1 equals the original absolute pressure, P2 equals the new absolute pressure. Charles Law 1 Jacques Charles, a French physicist who experimented with the effect of temperature on the pressure exerted by a gas, concluded that with the volume held constant, the absolute pressure exerted by a gas is in direct proportion to the absolute temperature. In figure 2, the volume was held constant while the absolute temperature was raised from 480 degrees Rankin to 960 degrees Rankin. As a result, there was a corresponding increase in absolute pressure in the container from 40 PSIA to 80 PSIA. Charles Law 1 Calculations Charles Law 1 may be stated as follows. The absolute pressure of any dry gas varies directly with the absolute temperature when the volume remains constant. This may be expressed as the following formula. P1 over T1 equals P2 over T2 where P1 equals the original absolute pressure, P2 equals the new absolute pressure, T1 equals the original absolute temperature, T2 equals the new absolute temperature. E. Lussac's Law Working with unpublished material written by Jacques Charles, Joseph-Louis Guy Lussac discovered the effect of heat on the expansion of gases. He noticed that if the absolute pressure of a gas remains constant, the volume of the gas will expand in direct proportion to increases in the absolute temperature. Thus, if the absolute temperature of a gas doubles, the volume it occupies also doubles. If the absolute temperature decreases by half, the gas takes up half the space it once occupied. This gas law is known as Charles' Law II, as Guy Lussac accredits Jacques Charles' efforts for much of its findings. While conducting his study of gases, Charles discovered another principle that deals with the effect of heat on the expansion of gases. He noticed that if the absolute pressure of gas remains constant, the volume of gas will expand in direct proportion to increases in the absolute temperature. Thus, if the absolute temperature of gas doubles, the volume it occupies also doubles. If the absolute temperature decreases by half, the gas takes up half of the space it once occupied. Elisac's Law Calculations Elisac's Law may be stated as follows. The volume of any dry gas varies directly with the absolute temperature when the pressure remains constant. This may be expressed as the following formula. 
V1 over T1 equals V2 over T2, where V1 equals the original volume, V2 equals the new volume, T1 equals the original absolute temperature, and T2 equals the new absolute temperature. Combined gas law. All the gas laws studied in this learning task have had a constant involved. In Boyle's law, the temperature of the gas is assumed constant. In Charles' law, the volume of the gas is assumed constant. In Guy Lissac's law, the pressure of the gas is assumed constant. Many times, however, a change in temperature or another of these factors may simultaneously change both the pressure and volume occupied by a gas. The combined gas law enables us to deal with such circumstances. The combined gas law is not a new law, but a combination of Boyle's and Charles' laws, hence the name the combined gas law. In short, this law is used when it is difficult to keep the volume, temperature, or pressure constant. Combined gas law calculations. The combined gas law may be expressed by the following formula. V1 times P1 over T1 equals V2 times P2 over T2, where V1 equals the original volume, V2 equals the new volume, P1 equals the original absolute pressure, P2 equals the new absolute pressure, T1 equals the original absolute temperature, and T2 equals the new absolute temperature. Remember, as with all gas laws, the temperature and pressure must be in absolute terms. Use Mathematics and Science, Section 17. Calculate the expansion and contraction of various piping materials due to heating and cooling. All piping systems expand and contract with changes in temperature. This issue must be addressed with appropriate system design to prevent damage to the system. The effects of expansion when heating and contraction when cooling are typically accommodated by the system at changes of direction in the piping. In other words, long straight runs of piping are most susceptible to experience measurable movement with changes in temperature. Because of this, the installation of an expansion loop or offset is required on long straight runs. Expansion loops allow the piping system to absorb the forces generated by expansion or contraction without damage. The rate of linear expansion does not vary with pipe size. The greatest consideration is the type of piping material. The effects of expansion and contraction are most pronounced on hot water lines in which the temperature changes for delta T are greater. To calculate the amount of expansion or contraction a material will undergo, the coefficient of expansion, or COE, must be known for the particular material involved. These coefficients have been standardized and are based on a specific temperature intensity. There is a specific expansion coefficient for Fahrenheit and Celsius for every type of material. The unit of length may vary as the COE is a ratio of any given length. These units may be expressed in inches, feet, millimeters, meters, etc. Figure 1 gives coefficients of linear expansion for commonly used piping materials that include ferrous metal, alloys that include iron, non-ferrous metals, alloys without iron, and thermoplastic pipe, sometimes called thermosoftening plastic. These are used in calculating the amount of expansion or contraction that may occur in piping systems. Note. 
The high expansion coefficients for the plastic materials make plastic piping extremely sensitive to change in temperature. The design of plastic piping systems must include accommodation for high expansion. Linear expansion can be expressed through the following equation. Change in length equals COE times length times delta T, where CH equals change in length due to expansion or contraction. COE equals coefficient of linear expansion. L equals original length. Delta T equals temperature change of piping material. Piping system flexibility. The piping system must be sufficiently flexible to accommodate the movements of the components as they expand. In many cases, the flexibility of the piping system, due to the length of the pipe and the number of bends and supports, means that no undue stress is imposed. In other installations, however, it will be necessary to incorporate some specific means of achieving this required flexibility. These include expansion fittings and expansion loops. Expansion fittings. The expansion fitting is one method of accommodating expected expansion. These fittings are placed within a pipeline and are designed to accommodate expansion and contraction without the total length of the pipeline changing. They're referred to as an expansion bellows due to the bellows-type construction of the expansion sleeve. Other expansion fittings can be made from the same piping in the form of a prefabricated expansion loop. This can be a less expensive option to satisfy the requirement for expansion control, but more space is typically needed to accommodate the piping arrangement. Expansion loops. The expansion loop can be fabricated from lengths of straight pipe and elbows welded at the joints. If the job site specifications do not allow fabricated loops, manufacturers provide a vast variety of loop designs that may be acceptable for use. Use Mathematics and Science, Section 18. Define Methods of Heat Transfer. Methods of Heat Transfer. There are three different ways heat can be transferred from one substance to another or from one place to another. Conduction, convection, and radiation. As a tradesperson, you need to be aware that various heat exchange processes are possible between a building and the external environment. Heat flows by direct conduction through various solid building elements such as walls, roof, ceiling, floor, etc. Heat transfer also occurs from different surfaces by convection and radiation. As well, solar radiation is transmitted through transparent windows and is absorbed by the internal surfaces of the building. There may be evaporation of water that results in a connective cooling effect. Heat is also gained in the space due to the presence of human occupants and the heat given off by lights and equipment. The interaction between a human body and the indoor environment is extensive. Due to metabolic activities, the body continuously produces heat, part of which is utilized through work, while the remainder is dissipated to the environment in maintaining body temperature. The body exchanges heat with its surroundings by convection, radiation, evaporation, and conduction. As heat is lost, one feels cool. During periods of heat gain from one's surroundings, the rate of body heat loss lessens, and a person feels hot and begins to perspire. Perspiration causes evaporation on the skin, creating a natural cooling effect. Conduction. Thermal conduction is the process of heat transfer from one part of an object at a higher temperature to another 
or between objects in direct contact at a lower temperature. This happens with negligible movement of the molecules in the object because the heat is transferred from one molecule to another in contact with it. Heat can be conducted through solids. Liquids and gases, however, some materials conduct more rapidly than others do. Materials with tight molecular structures lend themselves better to conduction. For example, metals are good conductors, while woods act as insulators. Metals conduct heat away from an object quickly, like your hand producing a cold sensation. Wood does not conduct heat away from your hands as well as metals, so wood, even at the same temperature, feels warmer than the metal. Convection. In fluids, thermal energy is transferred from warm areas to cooler areas by convection. Convection occurs when warmer areas of a liquid or gas rise to cooler areas in a liquid or gas. Cooler liquid or gas then takes the place of the warmer areas that have risen higher due to a drop in density. This results in a continuous circulation pattern called a convection current. A domestic water heater is a good example of these convection currents. The burner in the combustion chamber produces hot blue gases resulting from the combustion process. These blue gases transfer their heat to water in the bottom of the heater initially by conduction. The hot water at the bottom of the heater has a reduction in density compared to the cooler water and rises to the top of the heater. The denser, cooler water then drops to the lower portion of the heater where it is also heated. As layers of temperatures develop within the tank, the result is termed temperature stratification. Eventually, the whole tank will be heated to the tank set point. The hot water collects at the top of the tank from where it is distributed to the plumbing fixtures as required. Another good example of convection is in a hydronic heating system using radiators or convectors. The room air surrounding the warm convector is heated and rises to the ceiling level. As the warm air loses its heat to the cooler window area and outside wall, it drops to the floor, becoming more dense, where it is drawn into the convector be heated again and complete the cycle, providing comfort. Radiation. The third major form of heat transfer is radiation, which includes both visible and invisible light waves and invisible light waves such as UV and infrared light. The sun transfers heat to the planets through millions of miles of space by radiation. This amount of heat transfer cannot occur via convection or by conduction, as both require either the movement of material from one place to another or the collisions of molecules within the material. Often the energy of heat is visible as light, such as that coming from a hot campfire. This light being a wave carries energy. When this light reaches you, part of the energy of the wave gets converted back into heat, which is why you feel warm sitting beside a campfire. Some of the light can be in the form of visible light that we can see, but a great deal of the light emitted is infrared light whose longer wavelength is detectable only with special infrared detectors. The hotter the object is, the less infrared light is emitted and the more visible light. For example, human beings at a temperature of about 37 degrees Celsius emit almost exclusively infrared light, which is why we don't see each other glowing in the dark. On the other hand, the hot filament of a light bulb emits considerably more visible light.
use mathematics and science, section 19. Perform heat load calculations. Specific heat. Specific heat is the amount of heat necessary to raise or lower the temperature of a substance. In the imperial system, specific heat references the number of British thermal units, or BTUs, required to change one pound of a substance one degree Fahrenheit. For example, adding one BTU of energy to one pound of water would increase the temperature by one degree Fahrenheit. When substances other than water are heated, different values occur. For instance, ice and steam do not have the same specific heat as water, although they are really just water in different states. Both ice and steam have a specific heat of 0.5 BTU per pound per degree Fahrenheit. Therefore, adding one BTU of heat energy to one pound of either of these substances would cause a 2 degree Fahrenheit temperature rise. In the metric system, specific heat is calculated as a number of calories needed to raise or lower the temperature of one gram of a given substance by one degree Celsius. The heat capacity of water in metric is calculated as 4.19 kilojoules per kilogram per degree Celsius. In either system, it is the ratio of the amount of heat required to change the temperature of a given mass of a substance one degree. The amount of heat required to change the temperature of an equal mass of water one degree. Total heat. Total heat is the sum of both the sensible heat and latent heat required in process. Sensible heat. Sensible heat is heat that can be measured by a thermometer or felt by our sense of touch, thus sensible. If a substance is heated and the temperature rises, the increase is called sensible heat gain. Likewise, if heat is removed and the temperature decreases, the result would be a sensible heat loss. Sensible heat considers that there is no change of state of the material, only a temperature change. An example of this would be water heating in a pan. As heat is added to the water, its temperature will rise until it reaches its atmospheric boiling point. You cannot raise the temperature above this point until all of the water has boiled off the steam. Once this occurs, the steam's temperature can be raised using additional sensible heat. Steam raised in temperature above its saturation temperature is called superheated steam. Latent heat. Latent heat is defined as the quantity of heat absorbed or released by a substance undergoing a change of state, such as ice changing to water or water changing to steam, at a constant temperature. Because there is no temperature change that can be measured or sensed during phase change, the heat that causes the change of state is known as hidden or latent heat. An example of this again would be water heating in a pan. Once the water has been brought to the boiling point, water keeps absorbing heat, but the temperature remains constant. All of the input heat energy at this point is used to physically change the state from water to steam. As stated earlier, once the water has been vaporized to steam, the temperature will increase, but the heat input will now be sensible heat. There are two separate latent heats, latent heat of fusion and latent heat of vaporization. Latent heat of fusion is either lost or gained during the transformation of a solid to a liquid or a liquid to a solid. For example, the latent heat of fusion for ice to water or water to ice is 144 BTUs per pound. Latent heat of vaporization is either lost or gained during the transformation of a liquid to a gas or a gas to a liquid. For example, the latent heat of vaporization for water to steam or steam to water 
is 970.4 BTUs, the three states of matter. The graph in figure two illustrates the sensible and latent heat characteristics of water at atmospheric pressure. The graph begins in the lower left corner with ice at zero degrees Fahrenheit or minus 17.8 Celsius and extends above the boiling point of water into the superheated steam range. Notice that the temperature Celsius and Fahrenheit of the substance is plotted on the left-hand vertical axis and the heat content or BTU is plotted on the horizontal axis. Note that during the sensible heat sections, as heat is added, the temperature rises proportionally and that during the latent heat section, as heat is added, no temperature increase is experienced. The line starting in the lower left in the graph, point A, represents the temperature of ice. As heat is added to the ice from point A to point B, the temperature increases at a rate of 0.5 BTUs per pound per degree Fahrenheit, the specific heat of ice, up to freezing temperatures of 32 degrees Fahrenheit. This is a sensible heat gain. Note that it takes 16 BTUs to raise the temperature to 32 degrees Fahrenheit. From point B to point C, the line is horizontal. This shows that even though the ice is absorbing heat, the temperature does not change and the ice is transformed to water. It takes 144 BTUs per pound to change one pound of ice to one pound of water. This heat gain is known as the latent heat of fusion. Point C represents water at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Adding more heat to the water will result in a rise in temperature, a sensible heat gain. Between the freezing and boiling points, point C and D, the water temperature will increase with added heat to the rate of 1 BTU per pound per degree Fahrenheit, specific heat of water, which is indicated by the sloping line. Notice that the total heat energy input over this range, 32 to 212, is 180 BTUs per pound. At point D, we now have water saturated with heat, and any heat absorbed from this point will be used to transform the water to steam. From point D to point E, the line is once again horizontal. This shows that even though the water is absorbing heat, the temperature does not change and the water is transformed to steam while at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. It takes 970.4 BTUs per pound to change one pound of water to one pound of steam. This is heat gain, is known as the latent heat of vaporization. At point E, we now have saturated steam at 212. Adding more heat to the steam will result in a rise in temperature, a sensible heat gain. The steam temperature increases with added heat at the rate of 0.5 BTUs per pound per degree Fahrenheit, specific heat of steam which is indicated by the sloping line extending to the top of the graph. Imperial Calculations, BTU Requirements The formula for calculating the quantity of heat required to take a given weight of a substance through a specified temperature change is the sensible heat equation. It is expressed as follows. BTU required equals weight of the substance times temperature change throughout the process times specific heat of the substance. This is expressed as the following equation. BTU equals pounds times degrees Fahrenheit times BTU per pound per degree Fahrenheit. The formula for calculating the quantity of heat required to take a given weight of a substance through a change of state is the latent heat equation. It is expressed as follows. BTUs required equals weight of the substance times latent heat content. 
144 BTUs per pound for fusion or 970.4 BTUs per pound for vaporization. That is expressed as the following equation. BTUs equals pounds times latent heat content. Use Mathematics and Science, Section 20. Describe characteristics of hydrocarbon gases. The three fuel gases most used in the gas industry are natural gas, NG, and two liquefied petroleum gases, LP gases, propane and butane. They are part of the group of gases known as hydrocarbons, which are mixtures of hydrogen, H, and carbon, C. Natural gas occurs in nature as a mixture of methane and other gases. Propane is actually a byproduct of natural gas processing. Natural gas must be cleaned of impurities before being distributed, and byproducts of this process include hydrocarbons like propane in addition to butane, ethane, and pentane. The difference between propane and natural gas in domestic use is mostly their difference in cost, storage considerations, and risk factors. There is very little difference, however, in how well they perform in appliances for heating, cooking, or drying. Natural gas, propane, and butane are colorless, odorless gases. As a safety measure, a foul-smelling odorant called mercaptan is added to the fuel gas mixture by the gas purveyor so that hazardous gas leaks are detectable. Gas chemistry of natural gas. Natural gas has two major components. Methane. 87.4%, ethane, 6.8%. Since most of its content is methane, for convenience, natural gas is usually represented by the chemical formula for methane, CH4. Figure 1 shows the molecular diagram for methane. Gas chemistry of propane. Propane is also a hydrocarbon and is classified as an LP, liquefied petroleum gas. LP gases are refined, stored, and transported as a liquid under moderate temperature and pressure. They are then vaporized prior to use within a gas-burning appliance. Figure 2 shows the chemical structure of a propane molecule, C3H8. Gas chemistry of butane. Butane is also a hydrocarbon and, like propane, is classified as an LP gas. Figure 3 shows the chemical structure of a butane molecule, C4H10. Heat content, calorific value, CV. The heat content or heating value of a fuel is described as the quantity of heat released when a given volume of fuel is burned. Generally, the units of measure used are British thermal units per cubic foot, ETU per cubic foot, or kilowatts per cubic meter. The calorific value or CV of a gas is used when calculating input flow rates for appliances in BTUs per cubic foot or kilowatts per cubic meter. Figure 4 shows commonly accepted heating values for the various expressions of different volumes of fuel gases. Specific gravity. As mentioned earlier in this competency, specific gravity, or SG, often termed relative density, is the comparison between the weight of a volume of a vapor or liquefied gas and the weight of an equal volume of air or water. All three of the gases covered in this section are used in the combustion process while in the vapor state. It is essential that the SG of each individual gas is understood. Figure 5 gives the specific gravity of natural gas, propane, and butane as vapors. 
It is worth noting that as the chemical structure of the individual fuel gas becomes more complex, when the SG of the fuel increases as compared to the density of air, for example, with a relative density of 0.6, natural gas is lighter than air and will rise to the ceiling of a room. Both propane and butane are heavier than air, so if a leak develops in a gas line or an appliance, the LP gas is likely to settle and collect in low areas, posing a safety risk. Because propane and butane are LP gases, the SG of each, while in its liquid state, is compared to the density of water. Flame speed. Flame speed is the measured rate of velocity at which the flame front moves towards the air gas mixture issuing from the burner port. In a stable flame, the velocity of air gas mixture emitting from the burner is equal to the burning velocity of the flame. The result would be a stable flame. The flame speed for natural gas is approximately one foot per second. Limits of flammability. A correct gas and air mixture is crucial for complete combustion. If too much gas is present, the mixture is too rich and will not burn. Conversely, if there is an insufficient amount of gas, the mixture is too lean and will not burn. Different gases have different ranges of flammability. Compare for common fuel gases. Ignition temperatures. Ignition temperature or explosive limit is defined as the lowest temperature at which combustion begins and continues in a substance when it is heated in air. Figure 7 lists the ignition temperatures of the three major fuel gases. Flow characteristics in fuel gas piping. Six major factors affect the flow rate of fuel through a supply line connected to a heating appliance. To ensure that any appliance served by the piping system has enough fuel at the correct pressure to operate at its rated input, the pipe must be sized with all the following flow characteristics taken into account. Type of gas. Since lighter, less viscous gases flow through a pipe more easily than heavier gases, larger volumes of natural gas can flow through a pipe than propane or butane for a given pipe diameter and supply pressure. As well, pressure losses due to friction are reduced with less viscous fuels. Type of pipe. When a fluid flows through a pipe, the internal roughness of the pipe walls can create localized eddy currents within the fluid, adding a resistance to the flow of the fluid. Pipes with smooth interior walls like copper have less resistance than materials with rough interior walls like black iron, carbon steel, pipe. Length of pipe. When gas flows through a pipe, friction along the interior walls limits the velocity of the fuel. The average velocity decreases with increasing pipe length, decreasing the eventual flow rate at the appliance. When sizing a gas distribution network, we must consider the fact that the longer the pipe, the greater the resistance to flow. In order to limit the resistance, the size of the pipe may have to be increased at design to offer less friction and provide the required flow rate. Diameter of pipe. If the system pressure behind the gas flow in a pipe is constant, the diameter of the pipe will directly affect the flow rate. If the diameter of the pipe is increased, the flow rate will also increase. Flow rate is directly proportional to the pipe's internal area and exponentially proportional to the pipe's inside diameter. Number of fittings. Fittings such as elbows, T's, and valves represent a significant component of the pressure loss in most gas piping networks. Each fitting on a piping system adds resistance to the gas flow. It is important to design a system with as few fittings as possible. Pressure drop. Pressure drop is the pressure difference between the gas supply, 
either the gas meter or a system pressure regulator, and a gas appliance. Gas code and design guidelines limit the amount of pressure drop in these areas. The code limits this loss to ensure the system pressure remaining will be high enough to provide the required flow rate to the system. Good design of any piping system should limit the maximum amount of pressure drop to maintain adequate flow pressures to fixtures and appliances.